the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Getting on my leader around to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name is Mark Hiles and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. If you like your Bolton Wanderers headlines blended down and served over ice, then this is the smoothie for you. On the show this week, we talk about the winning Milton Keynes in a roundabout way. On your head, son, we discuss the best-headed goals of all time at Wanderers. Would Amazon on Netflix be welcome at the Uniball again? Or is it just too normal now? And we look ahead to posh visitors at the Uniball this weekend, and then a trip to Tramme, which, let's face it, is less posh. But first of all, a quick reminder that you can pick up a trial of our premium subscription to the Bolton News for just £2 for two months. Now for that, you get access to an ad-free website, you can read as much as you like, you can download the paper to your phone and read it on a submarine if that is your want. And best of all, though, you get access to all the Wanderers coverage and everything that is coming up as well. Go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe. See what all the fuss is about. Right. I mean, there's no there's no easy way to say this, uh, but here's Henry Hewitt. Yeah, it's been a strange week, hasn't it, Mark? Uh, a strange when we week. recorded. A straight, it was a hard record last week, I've got to be honest. It was an even harder edit because obviously we, we recorded the podcast before everything happened and the, the nation had it all to digest, which meant that um, a Bolton Wanderers podcast that, let's be fair, we, we leaned towards the lighter side. It was not necessarily what the Bolton public needed last week, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, well, yeah, it was uh, it was so strange because we recorded on Thursday morning, like we are this this week, and uh, you know we're talking about the Cheltenham game and not a care in the world apart from the fact that we're playing on this small pitch and traditionally Bolton don't do well on small pitches and tight grounds. <laughs> uh, and then we were talking about MK Don and saying, well, if we can get four points out of those two games, it'd be great. We would take that. Um, and then, yeah, Thursday afternoon comes and and you text me going, uh, I'm gonna have to do a lot of editing on this. So, uh, yeah, thanks to, to everyone for listening back. Hopefully we can bring a, a lighter side to a very, uh, a very weird week. It is a strange week. It is a strange, it's a strange week. And we only managed to obviously get one game in, and that was Tuesday night, MK Dons. A strange town. And Have you ever been to MK? Well, I went to the match last year, and all I remember is coming off the motorway. Lots of roundabouts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, lots of roundabouts. Roundabouts everywhere. I went on the train, um, as is my norm, because I like to work on my way back. And the place is just, it's just impossible to walk in. It's absolutely impossible. It's a, it's a huge, sprawling, concrete jungle. And it is nigh on impossible to know where you're going. You can't follow any sort of Google map or anything like that, because you're in subways all the time and and. and my phone was just going mental. It was going round and round and round. Didn't know which direction I was facing. I I wasted so many steps, honestly. Uh, just uh, just trying to find my hotel, let alone trying to find the ground. But thankfully, Wanderers didn't have the same sort of problems. They went there, got the job done, played well. I thought um, not out the skin, but played well. Got two 0 win, first ever win at Stadium MK as well. You can't complain. No, you can't. Like you said, there were there were a few. It's reminded me of the Charlton game where yeah. I thought, 
complacency crept in a little bit. I think when uh, when we've got most of the possession and we're not getting much back from the other side, I think, you know, stray passes and stuff. But I think when you, you compare it to last year against MK Dons, who, let's face it, you know, I mean, they got to the playoffs, didn't they? But let's face it, they it taught us a bit of a lesson last year where we were on a bit of a run and thinking we could sneak into the playoffs. And I remember leaving that ground. I remember after 10 minutes thinking, we're a long way off these and, you know, if he's going to get in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, it was completely different this year. And uh, I guess it just shows where we are as a club and we've, we've stepped up. And, uh, yeah, it's, it makes you confident now thinking, well, looking at the start we've had and the teams we've played, I think we're doing all right. And if I think where we are, fifth, I, I am not afraid to say that's possibly whereabouts we're going to be at the end of the season. So that's good. Oh, you've put the jinx on it now, Henry. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> not saying a thing. Um, no, you're right. I mean, I, I'm, let's be honest. Last season, went to MK, had a front three of Parrot, Twine and uh, Moesa, I think it was. Much, much better. They were much, much better. They had Harry Darling as well playing. Um, they, they, they were light years ahead of where they were there. But give Bolton some credit because they've definitely improved. When you're talking about going to MK and being overconfident, I mean, that was their problem, I think, in the second half in particular, once they mm. went 2-0 up, is they were trying passes they shouldn't really have been trying. They were they were losing possession, you know, trying to be a little bit extravagant almost, really. Um, so if, if overconfidence is your problem, then maybe it's not so much of a problem. But I think if, if they'd have stuck to the structure genuinely, and if, if Dion Charles had, had his shooting boots on, I think Bolton could have had four or five, really. They were they were much more incisive. And as you say, I think they deserve to be in fifth place at the minute. I think you should enjoy being in fifth place at the minute. Hopefully that continues at the weekend and, and, and Bolton fans can enjoy it over the period of the international breaks, they'll have a long time to, to kind of think about it. But there was obviously a break in play as far as the weekend, because um, to, as a mark of respect to the Queen, and we'll, we'll kind of debate the the reasons and whether or not that was the right thing for football to do maybe in a bit. But do you think that the, the break maybe worked in Bolton's favour a little bit? Because the same team that played against Charlton, pretty much, barring Bakayoko swapping for uh, for Kachunga, pretty much went again and played. So did that work maybe in Bolton's favour? Maybe. I mean, I'd love to know, because he has said before that he picks his team weeks in advance. So I'd love to know whether this was the same team that was going to play on against MK Dons and what they already picked, whether it was Five or six changes. I think he said it on the record. It might not have done, but he, he would have made five or six changes from the Cheltenham team to the right. MK Dons team, apparently. Well, would he have made five or six changes? Uh, those five, would he have put those five or six changes back in? Uh, who knows? But um, he, he picked a team to win, and that's what we did, and we played very well. And uh, yeah, it was it was uh, a really composed performance, and I thought from one to eleven, they did well. We did what we needed, and and how refreshing was it as well, considering that. You know, Bolton have been. Uh, people are trying to are, are moaning about Bolton trying to walk the ball into the goal that we won a game based on a penalty and a set piece. A <laughs> very fair point. I have to say, the set pieces were. I mean, I've defended them a little bit because I think they have been poor. I thought they improved at the start of the season. The last few games, maybe they've dipped a little bit in quality, and up to the point that Gethin Jones scored that goal. 
I, uh, I was I was thinking, oh, why have I defended this? Because they've gone terrible. They were awful. I don't know if it's because Aaron Morley wasn't in the team, maybe. The, the delivery was, was dreadful. They, they'd barely made a dent. Um, but that was that was bang on the money, Jack Idale's uh, ball in to, to get in. Um, hopefully, it's the start of something new, because I could do with Bolton um, improving set pieces. It just seems like such an easy win for Bolton, really, just to, to get that side of the game uh, sorted. But, no, I'm with you. I, uh, I thought it was a, a good... Straightforward win in the end. Um, I'd be a bit worried if I was an MK Dons fan, but hey. Yeah, so would I. I think um, I, I think they they looked so poor and they, they made us look good. And you know, you've, I guess you've got to make teams look bad. You know, I, I don't want to say that Bolton didn't play well, but they were they were very poor. And even after five minutes, you're looking and thinking we could have a hat full here. And I don't I don't remember Trafford having to make a a save. So. Uh, yeah, I would be worried if I was them, and and if they continue the way they are, I think we we know we're finishing at least twenty third because I don't see them finishing above <laughs> us. Uh, special mention MK Don's Catering. Uh, they managed to uh, supply some Papa John's pizza. I've actually had a Papa John's pizza now at a football game, and it wasn't in the Papa John's trophy. Weird. What? Well, wow. How would you rate it amongst the the sort of big pizza chains, say Pizza Hut, Domino's, how would you rate it? Um, I'm not, I'm not a massive pizza fan, so I'm, I'm probably, this isn't my wheelhouse, but I would have said uh, number one, Pizza Hut, number two, Domino's, number three, Papa John's. Sorry, Papa John's, uh, I, I, I think they forgot to put some toppings on, that's all I'll say. <laughs> and to be fair, I agree, my brother used to deliver for Papa John's, funnily enough, because he used to work in Berry, Nicky Hunt used to come in and... Uh, <laughs> And get Papa John's from him. So he used to get. He, he was telling me the other night. He used to give him a free, a free bottle of uh, Coke or Pepsi with his order because it was Nicky Hun. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I so I used to I get a few slices for free here and there. And, and yeah, I would I would go similar with you. I'd put it third personally. Yeah, it's a very dry pizza. Not a big fan. Not a big fan. But to tell you what, though, I I went back to my hotel. I I actually after the game, it was about it was just just gone eleven after we finished all the all the stuff. And uh, there's a big Asda next door to Stadium MK. I thought, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna nip in there. I'm gonna try and get myself something to eat, a couple of beers, to do my works. I've still got work to do after the game. All the all the quotes pieces etc. So nipped in there. What bedlam that place was! A massive. They've got their own brewery in that Asda that's next door. It's wow. crazy. It's a huge place. But anyway, um, went in there, grabbed a couple of bits. There were two dogs loose in the store. That's how big the that's how big the shop was. <laughs> there were two flipping dogs being chased around by the security guards. Um, and then took me uh, took my stuff back too. And it's got to be top three. I, I I have the luxury of staying in hotels quite regularly after the games because of the the workload and all that sort of stuff. So you need somewhere to base yourself. I reckon this is top three worst hotels I've ever been in covering a Bolton Wanderers game. And I'm going to name and shame. It's Travel Lodge Milton Keynes Central. It sounds as good as it is. It was bloody dreadful. It was awful. Um, ended up ha- having to walk out into reception, which, by the way, was next door to my room, um, at two o'clock in the morning, asking, is there any chance they could just prop the door open rather than just having people going in and out? And it was like a military procession. Um, and then at four o'clock, somebody's alarm went off and I couldn't tell exactly where it was, but it was the theme tune to Van der Valk, if anybody ever remembers that in the 80s. You probably won't, Henry, but it was, no, I, I don't know. It, was it was drilling its way into my head. It, it, it was impossible to sleep. 
and and somebody better check that it's not still going off because whoever is in <laughs> whoever's in bed you might want to check for a pulse as well because they did not move for hours it was crazy yeah. i had to get out of there like i ended up sitting in a subway next to the uh, the the train station for about two and a half hours um just just crying into my laptop it was it was a horrible trip but hey i'm back home now and podcasting with you henry well, there's an idea for an episode. Whenever we next have a, a break, in, like maybe next week when his international break, we'll do Mark Isles' worst five and top five hotels. That's a good idea. Travel review podcast. That's that's what we've missed that niche, Henry. That would have been a perfect one. Um, but this isn't just a travel review show, by the way. We've got headlines as well. So, uh, well, let's hear some, Henry. <laughs> Well, we've already mentioned it. Of course, Cheltenham game was called off um, as a mark of respect for Her Majesty dying. Um, what, what's your thoughts on it? Do you think it was uh, the right decision in the end or could we have played? Because a lot of people were saying we should play and, and show respect in that way. Mm, yeah. The weird thing to me was that I think a lot of people had accepted that games were going to get called off. And it was only when they released that statement that said, well, you know, every sport has got their, their their own right to choose and to do it the way that they want to do it, etc. As long as it doesn't clash with, or we advised that it doesn't clash with the funeral, which was going to be the Bank Holiday Monday. And at that point in time, everybody said, oh, well, you know, fair enough. If we've got the the, the option to choose it, well, let's play. Um, and obviously, a lot of sports did. So golf, cricket, Formula One, rugby, rugby league and union all all did their did their thing. And I thought they did it very well. I thought the tone was really respectful. They ended up coming out of it looking quite good. But the football, led by the FA, it would seem, uh, because she was the figurehead of the FA, I suppose. And, and in, in a sense, you might think that played a part in the decision. But the FA seemed to lead the way in the decision to not play the games. Um, it, it ended up looking a little bit incongruous, a little bit daft, didn't it, really, for football? And I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I would have liked to have seen football follow the rest of the world, the rest of the sports and, and do their own little tributes before games. I, I there, there are always going to be, it's sad to say it, there's always going to be a few people who try and spoil it or try, try and make their point, but that was going to always happen regardless of whether they played that weekend, the Tuesday as, as it happened or the Champions League games or whatever it might be. Somebody was always going to go out their way to try and, try and spoil it, I suppose. Um, I would have just liked to have seen the vast, vast majority of, of, of everybody and, and like everybody right all the way down to grassroots level be able to show their respect on the day, myself anyway. Yeah, I, I, I did think the, the grassroots thing was, I think, was a, a bit too much. My, uh, my mate, his four-year-old was meant to be playing his first ever, uh, you know, kids team match on Saturday and it obviously got called off, which, mm. I mean, he'll play he'll play this Saturday, so it doesn't necessarily matter. But um, I, I, I felt, say, for kids' football, it would have been um, it would have been great. You know, they could have had a minute silence and made them feel like they were in the Premier League, you know, like doing doing that sort of thing um, and showing respect. But I, I get it because, you know, without naming names, and Bolton definitely aren't one of these teams because they were very, the fans who were there the other night, and I'm sure this weekend as well, will be very respectful. But there are certain clubs that, you would worry that wouldn't have respect for it. Um, so I, I do get it, 
but uh, yeah, personally, because when, when it was a obviously on Thursday, it was the news was breaking. You know, I don't know about you, but if you've ever watched one of them YouTube videos that here's the ten things that's going to happen when the Queen passes away in the UK, yeah, yeah. Um, one of them is always sport. Or, you know, football will will cancel, or if England are in a World Cup, they will pull out or whatever it was. Um, so you kind of half expected it, but then uh, when the yeah, like you said, when the league said, oh, it's up to the club, it's up to the. Sorry, when the government said it's up to the leagues, mm. you did think, oh, maybe there's a chance. But no, I mean, in the yeah, I, in the the grand scheme of things, I guess it doesn't matter. But and we played on Tuesday and we'll play on Saturday. But now you've got to think, well, where are they going to? It's already a crowded schedule. Uh, where are they going to fit not only this game but now the Portsmouth game in? It, it could get very crowded around the um, around the second half of the season. Sure, and, and you're looking higher up the, the pyramid as well for the Premier League. They're getting games cancelled for policing reasons this weekend as well. So they've got extra things. They're talking about maybe extending the season for a, a week or two, which uh, w- would play uh, play havoc on those um, on those preseason tours that they insist on up there. But hey, uh, as far as Bolton's concerned, I don't think a, an extra couple of games is really that that bad at the minute. Just as long as uh, as the, we have a normal winter and uh, there's not too much going on should we should we move on should we get back to the football yeah and this was an interesting one actually that Ian Everett has come out and said that he feels that Elias Kachunga is getting a bit of grief unwanted or unnecessarily grief from the uh, from the supporters I mean what do you think I know you're not a, a necessarily a Bolton supporter but you are someone who has close links to us do you, would you agree with him or do you think that's a bit harsh what he said no no i think i think the the point he was making is is that maybe uh kachunga's role isn't necessarily as as, as appreciated as it as it should be we were talking about the the high pressing that they put in against charlton and then of course against uh, mk dons as well and for me and and i think the, the manager agreed is that it it requires a little bit of sacrifice on the striker's behalf. It it means that they're not necessarily they're they're not channeled in towards the goal all the time. Obviously, Dion Charles does quite a good job of getting himself in there, but I think Kachunga is is more of a, a drifter, if you will. He'll go into the pockets and 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 out wide as well. So I think when you're trying to close down defenders as your number one aim, because that's what Bolton have been trying to do against this sort of team. It means that you, you you can't really necessarily be judged on your goals. And I think that's the point that the manager was trying to make. He feels that maybe because he's asking some players to do slightly different jobs, they shouldn't necessarily be judged on your core you know, goal ratio as, as being a, a striker. I think he's a different type of player. I don't think he's an out-and-out striker. It's the same, I think, probably with Dapo nowadays, that when he's playing up there, he's been asked to do slightly different things. Um, Dion as well he's, he's kind of got the, the, the bit of both hasn't he Dion he does the running but he also gets himself into to more goal scoring positions than most um, I think and I think you you often say this about Bud Varson being probably the most um, natural sort of front and central striker that Bolton have got um, Bakioko tends to to do a bit of, of either side as well, but I think Bakioko. Sorry, I think um, Bodvarsson when he gets back there will be kind of more of a, a central kind of figurehead striker. Um, does does less of that sort of uh, less of that sort of thing. Um, but I do think Kachunga. Getting back to the point, is I do think Kachunga. 
maybe gets a little bit of grief that it doesn't necessarily warrant. I think he does quite a lot for the team um, and, and, and gives up quite a bit of personal glory for that. Yeah, he's in every team all over the, uh, the country, whether you're Man City and Liverpool winning every week, well, not necessarily Liverpool at the moment, whether you're Man City winning every week or if you're uh, Rochdale who are bottom of League Two, you have your players in each team who are loved by the fans and you have your, your sort of scapegoats, the ones that just, whatever they do, can't win anyone over. And I think Kachunga kind of falls into that bracket of he's probably at the moment the one that people moan about the most. And I think maybe it is the fact that he's a striker and he's not the most prolific. So people are looking and saying, well, why isn't he scoring goals? Um, but, you know, he's... He has his purpose. I think at the moment he is uh, coming off the bench and kind of hassling defenders towards the end. But um, I can understand where he's where Ian Everett is coming from. But as a fan, I think there are there have been times, to be honest, where I've looked at Kachunga and thought, "Can we get a bit more from you?" Mm. You know, I think he's he's don't get me wrong, he's very he's very good at winning the ball and he's very good at winning free kicks. I think he's one of the best in our team for that, and that is a valuable. It's valuable to have someone in like that in your team, but I just think sometimes he's he's passing or he's he's moving. I don't know. I, I'm uneducated. I've not been trained in. You know, he. I'm sure he never will cut, turn around and give a load of uh, examples of of where he has. And but I just think for me, there's just something that we we could be getting a bit more from him. Um, but then, saying that, you know, you could argue with that with a few of our strikers at the moment. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, and well, um, you know, you look at the likes of George Thomason and MJ Williams; they're getting raved about now, and they were uh, people were were getting on their backs. Yeah, yeah, a few a few months ago. So there is hopefully you can turn it round a little bit. Yeah, I think it does come in in, in fads and trends that kind of thing. Um, I'm I'm going to try and have a little bit of look into the kind of stats behind it and see where the, the the players are actually winning the ball is another thing. You know how high up Bolton are trying to win, and I know that Peterborough, who who come to the Uniball on Saturday, they are League One's best team at winning the ball high up and hassling mistakes out of defenders. They have a good uh, a good reputation for that. Bolton. Um, are very good uh, as a pressing team, uh, but don't necessarily win the ball as high up the pitch as, as, as Peterborough. So it should be an interesting little blend of uh, things. But just going back to Kachunga, I'd, I'd love to see where he's playing. You know, he's like kind of touch map or his heat map, generally speaking, because it doesn't seem to be front and centre. Now, I know you went and watched um, Manchester City uh, for some ungodly reason. Uh, and then, and then I went to watch Haaland. I went to watch... I didn't watch Man City, I watched Haaland. Well, you didn't have a lot to see for, what, 80-odd minutes? So, 27 yeah. touches of the ball. I'll bet they almost lined up in a straight line from the penalty spot. He barely moves. You know, he is so, mm. so economic and... and absolutely fantastic player obviously but he's it's it's basically he's a cog in a machine isn't he um and then obviously he came up with absolute moment of genius at the end which is fantastic but if you look Bolton haven't got a strike like that then and nor would they suit a strike like that as things stand at the minute um i think that the strikers that they've got have got to do all that running they've got to go out to the channels and pressurize defenders and all that kind of stuff um so i think I doubt, rather, this season they will have anybody 
who scores the number of goals that Haaland's going to get for City mm. or anything like that. Um, and, you know, a 20 goal a season man or whatever, because they just don't have anybody whose sole purpose is just to attack the penalty spot and, and to score that sort of goal. Yeah, it was amazing with him. If, if he hadn't scored that goal, I would have come away going, mm, I didn't think he was that great, but he's, he's you know, he's that's his purpose and that's what they paid the money for. Literally, just he, he will get a chance and he will score. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. I think, does that work in League One? Probably not. Does it work for Bolton? I don't think so. I think our fans would would actually get on his back because they're like, well, what else do you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, in a weird way. So, um, yeah, I you know, I think... Dion Charles, for example, if he's you know he scored four already, if he gets fifteen this season, he will be loved because of what else he does. The um, you know the the closing down and the hurrying about and not giving defenders a minute's peace. So um, yeah, I think as fan as a fan base, we do look for the effort. We do look for more. And perhaps that's yeah, why yeah. that's why Kachunga gets a bit of stick at times. I know Bakayoko's had a bit of stick recently because of uh, misplaced passes and stuff. So I think. Um, yeah, I think we're we're a fan base that accept that we're not Man City. We accept we don't have a Haaland, but we just want players to do the basics right. Uh, and I think that's where sometimes Kachunga, you know, passes go astray or the ball bounces off him. So I think that's why people may uh, may look and think, yeah, but what we want you to do that better. Mm. And uh, and but then we saw against Cheltenham last year, he can come up with that moment of genius. So hopefully he can do that on Saturday and, and shut us all up. I love the idea of Erling Haaland signed for Bolton and the fans are giving grief. <laughs> yeah. That'd be the most yeah. Bolton thing of all time, wouldn't it? <laughs> Give us another headline then. Uh, well, if we are looking for the next Haaland, uh, it won't be anyone who's not with a club at the moment uh, because Ian Everett said that um, we won't be looking at free agents, which is a whichever way you look at it, some people may look at that and go, well, if we're struggling, then you want someone else to come in and change things up but then also people will look to the, the the days of him who shall not be named when we used to be littered <laughs> with free transfers and random players signing at random points and think well that's quite refreshing yep Chinedu Abassi has just left the podcast um, yeah, it's uh, Stephen Ireland was another one, wasn't he? Um, yeah. yeah, I think we we asked obviously it's just a typical question after the transfer window finishes everybody thinks oh well you know maybe we can squeeze out a little bit of extra transfer gossip if um if there's any free agents out there and Ian Everett closed it down pretty quickly and said he didn't want to go down that route again unless there was a huge emergency of course you know there's always the caveat that there could be massive injuries but as things stand this Bolton squad is as uh stacked as we've seen it for some time really and there's always options so and obviously with the likes of Sheen and, and Toll and, and uh, Isgrove coming back as well, they've got even more. So I think, thankfully, um, the days of seeing half-fit players kind of learning on the job, and uh, as as was the case when, when he, he never took over, when Keith Hill took over, um, Phil Parkinson had to put up with that quite a bit as well, I think. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite glad about that, to be honest, because it is difficult seeing those players break down as they do when they haven't got a pre-season behind them. Um, although there's some good players out there, you know, it is, it is a shame. Um, but I think I think uh, Ian Everett is, is correct. Just leave that to, to other clubs um, who may be in more of a an emergency for that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, we have had some good ones. You look at, um, you know, uh, Henry, who signed for... In yeah, the, Carl Henry, the, yeah. 
yeah, in the Phil Parkinson, he changed the. You could argue he changed the season because we needed him. Mm. Um, so there are examples where it does work, but um, yeah, I think new Bolton, Bolton twenty twenty two. We're building the squad, but we're building it long term. We're not looking at short term fixes, and and I guess that's where they've said that's what the B team's for. It's you know if. if we need a short-term fix, course, yeah, then yeah. why, you know, you look in your own ranks and get players like that um, to, you know, used to that football rather than just signing a, uh, a let's be honest, probably a journeyman who's who's in their 30s, um, who is just there to, to try and get a few more contracts before they retire. So, yeah, it is, it's right for some, it's right some occasions, but I think for us now it's, it's not the case. Although, you know, I'm sure if Erling Haaland did come available and wanted to work for four grand a week, then uh, I'm sure they wouldn't say no. Yeah, but be prepared to be booed. Actually, also a shout out to um, Connor Stanley, uh, who scored two corner kicks for the B team, uh, a la Paul Comstiff, um, against Wrexham. I'm really gutted I didn't go. I, I, I was on the train back and I was thinking, shall I go to the, the B team game at Lostock? Um, because it was Wrexham, and I thought, oh, Phil Parkinson might be there, I can say hello. He was there, but I decided against it. I, I actually decided to buy myself a sandwich and do some work in Manchester instead. Uh, and I'm oh. gutted. I'm gutted. Gutted. Well, I, I did think, um, you know, that what a, that's like thinking from the B team. They go, well, the first team aren't scoring from corners. They're not getting <laughs> anyone's head on the ball. So why don't we train someone to score straight from a corner? <laughs> Uh, hoping they'll get in the team. So, in a similar way to NFL, have the specialist kickers and stuff. Maybe we can have work with the EFL to have a specialist corner kick taker, and he can just come on and off whenever you want. Can you imagine the pressure if if you were one of those people who could always score from a corner? It'd be like when Roberto Carlos took a free kick, and people were just always expecting him to do that Latourne Tournois thing again. Um, yeah. And he never did. I think his record from free kicks was absolutely abysmal. But because he'd done it once, everybody expected every single one of his free kicks to be like physics defi- defying type things. So, ah, yeah, anyway. it's, like when, it's, it's like when Gudney Bergson got the ball 30 yards out. He'd scored once against Barnsley and everyone thinks he can do <laughs> Shoot, it every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Good, um, next thing on the agenda is you, you asked us, uh, Ian Everett was asked in a, uh, press conference about um, whether a Netflix-style, Amazon-style documentary will be welcomed at Bolton. We had a taste of it a few years ago, but uh, I don't think he's too keen. No. Do, do you know what? As a result of that, and I'll say this, I, I actually went back and watched the documentary again, and it was better than I remembered. It was mm. better than I remembered. I I think it was quite... I don't, I don't know whether I took as much notice or you know I looked at it with different eyes potentially now but I actually went back and I thought yeah actually it really was good it did give a good insight into into things um I think I was more bothered about how horrible my fat head looked in the uh, documentary more than anything else at the time so um but I, I enjoyed it I, I had a, a watch of it and sat, sat and watched the whole thing through again um it's a shame I, I think Ian Everett is is kind of 50 50 really with it because whilst he wouldn't want to have attention diverted elsewhere and I think any documentary type thing will do that even at a club the size of an Arsenal or a Manchester City I think the fact that this camera's there all the time must put people on edge or or make them act differently um 
I've been watching that one, uh, the Wrexham one on Disney Plus that's got Phil Parkinson in it at the moment and obviously Ryan Reynolds and, and Rob McElhenney's there. Um, and it's it's a it's a really good show. I've been I've been enjoying it, but I just keep on thinking that it must be doing Phil Parkinson's head in. Because I cannot for the life of me see him enjoying that at all. No. Having to do the kind of the camera stuff all the time and, and having people, you know, in, invading the his team talks during the dressing room. And he's obviously forgotten that the cameras are there and they do quite a good job of kind of hiding them away because of the, some of the things that he says is quite, you know, it, there's no way on earth you'd choose those sort of phrases if uh, if, if you were trying to mind your P's and Q's. But um, I, I think you wouldn't want to see it become a sideshow. Um, but I think Ian Everett made the point that there are a lot of people um, who you get to see a different side of in the football club. Weirdly, and I... I hate myself for saying this, but watching that Wrexham one and Sean Harvey's in it. Sean Harvey, who, I mean, not certainly no Bolton fans, but the, I'm struggling to think of a set of fans who have a good word to say about Sean Harvey. But in this documentary, he actually comes across quite well, um, oh, oh, which is Matt, either a on. masterpiece of editing or, <laughs> or we've got him wrong all these years. Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah. We actually did a, a segment once on this very podcast called Sean Harvey or Comical Alley, um, mm. where we, uh, we we had I think Tom was on at the time, and we were trying to guess whether it was Comical Alley or uh, or Chemical Alley rather, or Sean Harvey that said uh, said uh, various phrases. Um, that shows you how well he was rated at the time. But I think um, you know there are there are characters. I mean Neil Hart's one of them. I think it'd be it would be interesting to see how he came across on camera and where you see what he's doing as opposed to potentially making your mind up on sound bites in the newspapers or on radio or, you know, I think you can get a strange warped sense of personality. I think it does with Ian Everett as well. I mean, you know, you, you probably get a bit better of an insight because you'll chat with me about what the manager means when he says X, Y, or Z. But I think a lot of people who are just picking up the paper or, or just reading the website maybe think slightly differently about the, the character that the manager's got. So, I mean, would you like to see it? Would you like to, to, to get a little bit more, you know, info and, and a bit more depth to, to how the, the people are behind the scenes? Uh, I think I would. And I think, like, if you look at the Arsenal one, Arteta comes across really well. So mm. you'd, you'd hope that Ian Everett did. I mean, I tell you what, I would, I, I, I would pay... <sighs> I don't know how much of a subscription I'd pay, but it'd be a lot of money to see what really happened in the dressing room at Plymouth last year. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, unfortunately, the uh, the age rating would probably have gone up to uh, an eighteen plus. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. There's there's loads of things like that. I mean, I, I wonder how much does get left on the cutting room floor. I wonder how much of a say a football club does have about these things. I mean, I've seen lots of documentaries that have ended up. And the football club just comes out looking horrible. And there's certain managers that come out looking horrible. I know Peter Reid, um, who was involved with one called Premier Passions in the in the 90s, um, kind of looks back with a little a tinge of embarrassment sometimes at some of the stuff that uh, that he said at the time. Um, and and there's been loads and loads of examples of that. I mean, Graham Taylor, of course, The Impossible Job, the, the famous England documentary, um, hounded him for years and years and years after that. Uh, so I, I'd imagine that, that managers are quite wary about it and football clubs should be wary about it. But it, I think it does sometimes. It makes uh, makes for a really good bit of PR. 
Yeah, I think sometimes it's it's good. Um, and sometimes for players, like I think of Deli Ali in the Tottenham one, they really didn't come across well. Abamyang in this Arsenal mm. one. So you have got to be careful. Um, but I, I think going off, going off, say Abamyang leaving, I, I think Arsenal would have given the okay for him to look a bit bad. And uh, yeah, I think the clubs may have a little say in it. But Bolton would be interesting. But I think. I think we'd be boring at the moment. I think the time to do it would have been a few years ago. Now it's when everyone's happy and everything's rosy, then uh, it might not be as interesting. You'd have never got it past the legals. Never in a million years. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'd be in prison if they'd have done it about two or three years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, let's move on then before you incriminate yourself anymore. (laughs) Um, So we we mentioned this last week. Ian Everett kind of targeted a top... He said we're in the top 10 by the end of September. He'll be happy. Uh, we all know that in October, November, our, our fixtures get slightly uh, easier, let's say, depending on which way you look at it. Maybe not if you're thinking our track record at smaller stadiums, but based on teams and their league positions, you could argue that we do. Um, taking three points at MK, we're now fifth. We get a good result of the weekend. We're going to be in the top ten. Is Will everyone, everyone be happy or... Uh, or will we uh, then start to believe we should expect more? Because I noticed uh, after he said that, I did notice on the club's YouTube uh, interview with him on after the MK Dons game, he did say he isn't looking at a league table at the moment. Yeah, so uh, yeah. maybe maybe you'll have to let him know that he's in the top 10 after the Peterborough game. Well, I, I let him know after the MK Dons game that he was already in the top 10. I think it takes a, a four-goal swing on Saturday. I think it's Cambridge that are in... 10th if memory serves but basically they could lose the game on Saturday against Peterborough and still finish in the top 10 um, but I think having got to 5th as you mentioned before the expectation just notches up a little bit and I think they've done a good job at Bolton so far not to start talking league positions not to necessarily buy into the you know our aim is the playoffs our aim is promotion yada 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 although that is the case you know, they, they are ambitious, but I think they've done quite a good job of just being less vocal about it, less hubristic about it, because that, to me, sets a target on your head. I think if you are going on about how, you know, promotion is your aim, this is... And last season, maybe maybe you never, maybe the players felt they needed to do it. Um, but I think it did put a target on their head to certain teams and I think that has been removed a little bit there's they've almost adopted the kind of the underdog tag in it all uh you know looking about finances and the fact that Ipswich Sheffield Wednesday teams like that are spending a lot more money than they are um so I think they've they've timed it quite right actually and, and this top 10 target um I think now it would be a disappointment if they lost Saturday and, and dropped out to the the playoff places. As I say, I would like to see what happens, what evolves. It's very rare for Bolton, by the way, on the on, on international breaks historically to go in on the back of a good result. It's so rare. I think we spoke about it last week, but I, 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 I'd love to do a little bit of research on it and have a look. But whenever there seems to be a break in play, there's always a bad result. So I'm a little bit wary about Saturday, to be truthful. Um, I hope I hope that changes, um, but I would be, I'd be interested to see what happens and whether whether things change inside the group, whether Ian Everett starts talking about it soon or whether or not he's happy to let sleeping dogs lie. What about you? Um, yeah, I, I think. Uh, well, I've got to say as well, it's also rare for us to win a game in September. I think we even the League One <laughs> yeah. promotion campaign. We 
think we we went on a five match game uh, a run where we didn't win in September. But um, yeah, I think it's nice to hear that the uh, the ambitions of of have become a bit more realistic. I, having said last year, like you said, that we were the best team in the league. I like how he's now gone, well, if we end the top 10, we'll be happy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's... Um, whatever's happening, it seems to be working at the moment. I don't know we lost two, you know, against Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth, but you could dissect them games and think, well, we were, we were unlucky if we'd have took our chances, if hadn't made mistakes. So I think overall, when you look at how we've done this season... I think we've done actually quite well, and I think that's why why people are getting a bit. Um, I don't think overexcited, but there's certainly there's that expectation there of of getting in the playoffs, and I think it's uh, it has been done this time around because you think he did say as well in League Two that we were the best team in the league. So I think this year maybe he has learned his lesson and gone right. Well, let's keep all of that in house. I you know I'm sure he's telling them they're the best team in the league to the faces. Mm. but not having that extra pressure in the press. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's where that uh, Netflix documentary would do him in, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, uh, um, let's let's move on. Yeah, this is our final headline, and it's about uh, Glenn Rana. Now, if you don't know Glenn mm. Rana, he's a Norwegian uh, Bolton fan. I think he's the head of the Norwegian Supporters Club. Um, he's making a pilgrimage to Bolton. He's been doing a, uh, a, a was it a round-the-world tour, around the Europe Yeah, he's done tour. Europe, he's, yeah. Yeah, a few Europe, Europe, Yeah, so... Uh, Done, gone around Europe and he's going to end at uh, at the Uniball uni on Saturday against Peterborough and sadly it, it, because of a you know an illness it's, mm-hmm. it will be probably if not definitely his last ever match he watches Bolton live so um, yeah it's it's I think we don't concentrate on fans from abroad as much do we no. I think uh, you know the Bolton News do a great job of picking up on things but yeah it's uh, like you know sometimes we take for granted the fact that it takes 20 minutes to drive to the ground and, and back and you're, you're home for six o'clock. What always um, amazes me really is that when you when you speak to some of the foreign fans, just how invested they are with Bolton Wanderers. And and I, I, I've probably found more out about that as we're doing this podcast because a lot of the people that listen to the podcast, this is one of their major to- touchstones and, and finding out what's happened at, at Bolton. Um, you know, it's easier listening to it in this form than it is necessarily sort of going around the, the message boards or, or, or the social media and trying to find out bits and bobs. But um, yeah, it's amazing really. And, and the Norwegian supporters club are one of the, one of the bigger ones for sure. Um, Eric uh, is the chairman of, of that club. And I know Glenn is, is one of the, the most established members um, and he was diagnosed with uh, motor neuron disease um, earlier this year. Uh, which is, I mean, it's a it's a horrific illness, and, and obviously around Bolton Wanderers, we um, we know that as much as much as anybody, and and you know with Stephen Darby's diagnosis, and then and uh, Gethin Jones's mum as well, um, we've raised lots and lots of money to uh, to fight that uh, disease, and, and hopefully uh, hopefully that is getting somewhere. But um, Glenn's Glenn, I'm reading his story, it's 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 such um it's such a tremendous story. He's actually got a national newspaper following him round, um, doing various fundraising and 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 uh, you know get, getting attention, um, climbing mountains. He's been doing marathons. He's gone round Europe to some of the kind of big tourist places to to you know draw draw attention and gain a bit of um, uh, 
it's sort of recognition to, to the, the, the the fight against this this disease. Um, and it's really it's, it's really inspiring. It's really inspiring. The last leg of this trip, this ten day trip, is uh, at Bolton Wanderers on Saturday. And the supporters club kind of contacted us to say, well, you know, would you be able to put us in touch with uh, the, the club to to present Dapuafalayan with a last season's Player of the Year award? Um, they were coming over at the end of October to do it themselves, but I think they've kind of seen that Glenn's trip is. Is is now so they've said. Well, can can he do it for us, and 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 can we sort this out? And and the club have been brilliant. Uh, Bolt Wanderers Sports Trust have been absolutely brilliant. Looks like it's all sorted for this weekend. Uh, Glenn's coming over with his family um, to watch Wanderers, and um, which will probably be his last trip um, in in the flesh uh, to to watch Wanderers. But um, you know, and I hope he has a great day. I hope he has a fantastic uh, damn sure Wanderers will will treat him well, roll out the red carpet. Um, you know, Sharon Britton et al. ooze class with that sort of stuff. Um, and you know, it's just a really nice story. And you know, we don't <laughs> you don't often get to write about these sort of things when you're in sport. And you know, you have to deal with the fluffier side of things at times and 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 make. You know, eleven blokes kicking ball around sound like the NBL and end all of the world. But um, sometimes you get a, a chance to get into something something real, and it's uh, it's nice it's nice to write. And you know, I, I do wish Glenn um, every every bit of luck. Yeah, it's um, it, you know through doing this podcast and also through hearing uh, Derek's commentary on the uh, on iFollow. You know, where he's constantly going. Oh, we've I've had a picture from. Australia, someone's w- w- yep. in the middle of the night watching the match, or America, or Bermuda, or wherever. You you do realise that Bolton fans do get everywhere, and uh, you know you, you see little bits on social media of these people who are, are you know are really proud of supporting Bolton. So uh, yeah, it's uh, hopefully we can end um, you know his his time watching Bolton in the flesh. Uh, hopefully we can end it with a win for him. Yeah, would be nice. Would be nice. Um, right, well, we're not going to be opening the old film erased post bag this week. Uh, we did get a couple of good emails, but I thought with the international break coming up, might just need to keep the old powder keg dry for now, and we might uh, get a few of them read out next week when we need them. But if you have got a topic for me and Henry to discuss or a point to make on anything that we've talked about this week or last week or any of the other weeks, here's how to get in touch. So you want to bring something up on the buff? Email Mark and Henry on the buffmail at gmail.com. That's T H E B U F M A I L, all one word, at gmail.com. And sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. Right, getting Jones header. We've mentioned it before. What a fantastic finish. And it got me thinking. Are headed goals my favourite type of goal? I think they are because, look, footballers, I mean, it's in the name. It's easy. Kicking the ball all the time, feet schmeet. I mean, Erling Haaland, you know, he probably does that every day in training. It doesn't really matter. Let's see how he would have coped if he'd have just bunged one in the mixer. Could he have got his head on it and done that? No, uh, I don't think he could. Um, so I started making some notes on what I thought the best headed goals were that I'd seen Bolton Wanderers. Um uh, score and obviously my my time covering Wanderers is a you know a couple of decades that falls into so I thought I'll ask Twitter and see if we can get some more ideas and by God they did give me some more ideas absolutely loads and loads of examples 
Um, so I, I messaged you last night, Henry, to have a, a look down and see which ones you remember, and we'll try and talk about a few of them now. Uh, but here's a little headed montage just to just to whet the appetite. Kevin Davis with the lead, and Chung Young Lee to surely win it for Bolton. An incredible cup tie. Is that the final twist? Paul Jones has gone up into the goal mouth as Thompson takes the corner. And in comes Speed once more to deliver. Oh, wonderful header, free header, and Bolton get the goal. Kevin Davis. Bergson's header off the bar and in. That was the goal they needed. All of a sudden, the substitutes are sat down, and Goodney Bergson who scored twice in the 4-4 game last season, has scored now. Kelly, Walker, Patterson, Kelly over to Burke. Bolton winning the midfield challenges in the early stage, and here's Lee going past Marsh and crossing well. Beautiful goal! McGinley does it again! Yes, so I, I thought the obvious one for, for Bolton Wanderers was the one that Sam Allardyce scored against Sunderland, mid-70s, header from about 18 yards, like comes in like a, you know, a steam train, I think it's Paul Jones that takes the corner, bang, and it hits the top of the net, and it gets played all the time. But then when I when I tweeted that, like, oh, I know about that one, but what about the other ones? I forgot about so many iconic headers. Yeah, I the ones that stick out for me, obviously the Wilbraham one, that is yeah. one of the famous ones. Uh, Chungi's in the uh, quarterfinals of the FA Cup against Birmingham. Um, but for me, for the best header of the ball I've ever seen in an attacking area I have ever seen for Bolton, it was Nathan Blake. And some of his goals, the the cross, I think he scored one at Bradford and Gunn Larkson crossed it. And Blake used to jump up and he, it's as if he used to stay in the air for about 10 seconds and just, <laughs> he could cross his arms and just wait there and then like bang right in the goal. He was so good. I think he scored one at home to Oxford and maybe the, he's, uh, you know, in the, at the end of the Burnham Park days. And those are the two I remember uh, specifically. But um, but yeah, but some of the the headers he, he used to get up and just like a, he, he's as if he used to just stay in the air. So he's definitely the the best header of the ball I've ever seen at, at Bolton in an attacking area. The ones obviously a lot of people mentioned the ones at Anfield, the FA Cup, uh, McGinley and Walker. Certainly the first one that cross from uh, David Lee and McGinley just hangs in the air. I think they're my t- favorite type of header where. There is that kind of physics-defying leap and, you know, the, the technique's all there, but it's all about the leap for me. 
Um, a diving header is lovely. And, and the best diving header, we, we mentioned it, I think, last week, week before, was that Sunderland defender um, <laughs> against Sporting yeah. in the 6-0. Danny Bath, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I think that was probably the best diving header I've seen for a long time. Stelios uh, got one in the FA Cup as well against uh, yeah. Arsenal. I seem to remember that was brilliant. Kevin Davis used to score so many good headers. He was such a, you know, technically speaking, he, he, he was like he had a foot for a head at times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I, I think looking down some of the um, some of the kind of nominations, I mean, you're kind of beholden to them being there on YouTube. I do urge people to go and have a look at a few of these things. I was watching a compilation of Ivan Campo goals um, because somebody had mentioned he'd scored one against uh, Portsmouth that bounced off the bar. Yeah, I remember and that, yeah. So, so Campo comes in, and I, I don't know who it was against, but he, he goes up, scores a header. It's a pretty standard header. Uh, the commentator goes, oh, well, he doesn't head many of them. And then after that, there is six or seven goals where Campo just scores headers uh, of varying different types. He scored loads of headers. I don't know where the commentator got that one from or whether that was just like the moment he realised he could head the ball, potentially. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember. I think he scored one at Aston Villa. Uh, well, he scored against Blackburn, famously, in the yeah. the one nil. Did he score one against Aston Villa? Maybe on the first game of the season one year, at Villa Park. I, I can't remember. But uh, yeah, come to think of it, he did get a fair few. I didn't. I never would have credited it. The, when Campo comes to mind, that one he hit from long range. I can't remember who it was against. Now, uh, Spurs, wasn't it? Um, yes. Yeah, that one hits. That, that's the, the the obvious Campo goal for me. But I couldn't I never realise he scored quite as many headers. Uh, Radi Jaidi, he is the modern day Sam Aldice. Um, he, you know, he yeah. he got on the end of some stuff. I mean, he, he used to head it harder than most people could kick it. It was ridiculous. Yeah, um, Bruno and Gotti was another Bruno one. Bruno Gotti, Bruno Gotti. You just wouldn't want if if you're going to chuck it in the mixer. The last people you wanted around was was somebody like Jaidi or Ngotti. Um, mm. They were they were going to clear you out. Um, Goodney Bergson as well, underrated header of the ball, very very underrated. Um, I watched uh, a clip earlier of the playoff semi final, Bolton two nil down against West Brom. Yeah, so this is like turn of the turn of the millennium, Big Sam. Um, yeah. So two nil down. It was Gary Megson's West Brom as well, wasn't it? I think. Um, so if you if you look at the clip. Bolton take a corner um, from from the left side, and behind the, the the corner taker is basically a building site. It's just like a huge mound of mud with like diggers and all sorts on it. It's like where why are we playing this game? This is ridiculous. Uh, ball comes in, Goodney gets his head, loops a head off the bar, drops down over the line. Um, that's set in motion. Uh, two goal comeback, two two it finishes, and then they get the job done. In the second leg. The rest is history as they say. Um, but, I mean, Goodney Bergson, very, very... Fernando Hierro, another one, scored against... His only Bolton goal was a header. Yes. Yes, it was at Norwich, yeah. It was um, at Norwich, yeah. Yeah, and, and of course, we're forgetting Wheater and Beavers. They, they, what, they scored like 10, uh, 15 goals between them, didn't they, that season in League God, One? And yeah. A few were yeah. headers. I, I had yeah. better mention Wheater. I mean, that one against Port Vale... That should yeah, that should have been promotion, really. But mm. um, and the other one that well, another one that comes up quite a bit, quite a bit was uh, Michael Ricketts against Leicester. Um, ah, yeah. Not yeah. not the the five nil or, or anything like that, but the one where Robbie Savage um, basically got two players sent off. 
Leicester, Leicester were winning 2-0. Uh, Nolan scored. Uh, then Izzet got sent off. And then Ricketts. And the noise on that, unfortunately, I can't find any uh, commentary on that at the moment. I'd love to find the commentary of Match of the Day or whatever to be able to, to put it in some context. And But uh, the noise, when that goes in the back of there, absolutely ridiculous at the rebound. Yeah. I remember being at the. I was at that stage uh, at that game, and I, but I was sat in the because um, they used to give half of the uh, away stand to Bolton fans uh, yeah. in that time, and I was I was sat over there, so it was at the other end. But that was also the game that ITV was it tonight with Trevor McDonald hooked Big Sam and Dave Bassett up to a heart monitor, <laughs> and, and they must have been. I don't know whether they tried a few games out and then decided to go with that one, but. I mean, whoever chose that is a genius. Oh, that's a that absolute production uh, masterstroke. That one, isn't it? Uh, there's there's loads and loads of examples. Uh, Mixu at Wembley in '95. Um, that yeah. was that was a cracking mm. shout. Yeah. Um, there's there's some absolute beauties. Uh, Jerry Taggart, of course, um, famous header that should have been a goal and wasn't a oh, goal. Yeah. That was a cracking yeah. header. But I, I I think you mentioned it at the start, though. I, I'm going to pick my favourite, and my favourite is. FA Cup quarterfinal, Birmingham. Not only one good header, but two good headers. So it's it's uh, the the pass. Was it Weeter that played the ball in? Or was it Paul Robinson? I'm trying to remember. But either way. I can... think, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, uh, it might have been Robinson, but. One, you know. one or the other. I mean, Weeter will no doubt tell me if it was him. Uh, <laughs> but the ball lofts, lofts to Kevin Davis just outside the far post. Davis nods the ball across and the. It was the airtime that Chunky got. It was like everything slowed down. The, the whole stand, there was 4,000 plus behind. In It was Gil Merrick's stand behind uh, the goal. And like the fans almost moved because they knew the ball was going in before Chunky had even touched it. And that moment was one of my favourite covering football just in general. It was just one of my favourite football moments at all. Um, it was just pure poetry. Absolute beautiful. Yeah, it was uh, a great moment, and I, I definitely was uh, behind the goal for that goal. I definitely was were there for the the Birmingham game. Although I'm sure, even though it was what four thousand Bolton fans, mm. I'm sure twenty thousand will <laughs> say that they were there that day. But uh, yeah, what a what a moment that was, and uh, it's a shame that our FA Cup run just. For some reason, it just for some reason ended after that. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't believe just everybody just just they just finished the competition. Finished. I don't know if anybody even bothered winning the competition that year. Really, it was just (laughs) pointless. Um, But I I think the, the mark of a great headed goal is that grown men leap with the player. You know, to head it, like yeah. you, you go to you go to head it yourself. You're about you you sat like a hundred yards away in the top corner of the stand, but you still try and go up for the header and try and inject your own kind of like aura into the player heading the ball, like to give him a bit of extra power. Go on, son. I love that. Yeah, I love that. It's fantastic. Um, right. Okay. Well, if you've got any more um, uh, uh, examples that I've missed, there, I know I've missed loads off the nominations. Um, I will try and uh, I'll try and maybe include a couple more. Um, in our mailbag from later on. But um, a very, very quick mention for the, the fancy league as well. Obviously, there was no games at the weekend, so not a great deal happened this week. Although I managed to... Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll to make a very quick point, right? So I made two changes. I, I took a minus four this week. I brought in a couple of Newcastle United players because I think they were playing against Bournemouth. Um, or, or it was a, certainly a favourable game. 
And I lost four points. Nobody played. I lost four points. But I wouldn't have made those changes had I known the game was going to get postponed. And I wouldn't have made them this week. I reckon that's a, a scandal. It's a scandal. I dropped to 130th this week and there was no games. <laughs> um, that's the equivalent of losing, but uh, a team going above you. Uh, sorry, winning, but a team above go, going above you on goal difference. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, uh, I last week, because uh, as everyone knows, you don't need to look at the table. I'm not doing that well. So I thought I've got to get Haaland in some way. So I, I, did, I played my wild card and I took a few team players out and I've got Haaland in now. So as I've said, I think I mentioned it last week, actually. Mm. Uh, I expect Haaland to to not score now because he's in my team. I hope he gets dropped this weekend. I really do. <laughs> I, I've got him in my team, but I think it'd be love to see if, if Pep rotation started um, here and now. Now, he scored in, scored in midweek. Uh, he'll just play Alvarez next week. Uh, right, anyway. Um, time for a bit of prediction. Pass us me crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Yes, we've got a couple of games to talk about. Of course, Peterborough United are the visitors on Saturday in League One. And then in the Pizza Trophy, it's it's a lovely trip down the East Lanks to Stade de Prenton Park, uh, which I'm really looking forward to, I must admit. Having gone to Milton Keynes, I now get the beautiful surroundings of Birkenhead to look forward to mm. as well. So, um, But we'll start with the one that matters, and that's obviously Peterborough. Um, a team, well, a team that you know pretty well, Henry. As you know, it's certainly better than I do. Uh, yeah, I, I, I say everyone knows I've produced the uh, Hard Truth podcast with Darren McAnthony. Um, a little, I'd said to you before, I did message uh, Darren on Wednesday uh, to say that I'm looking forward to seeing Port, uh, Peterborough sorry, on, on Saturday, and it should be an entertaining game. Um, forgetting, of course, they lost on Tuesday. I won't repeat his response, but uh, he's, he's basically he's not. Um, how can I put it? He's not too happy with football at the moment. Uh, I think he's going to be concentrating on his other business businesses <laughs> over the next few days. Um, but uh, yeah, it should be a good game. It's a good test as well. They, they, you know, they obviously lost. I think they've lost lost two games or three mm. games. We've gone above them in the league and. I think even at this early stage, if we can get a, a win, a good result, it's. Uh, you know, I think now the Portsmouth game's been been postponed. It, this sort of rounds off this section where we've played a lot of the teams that are expected to be up at the top. So, if we can get a win, end it on seventeen points, I think that's a very good start. Ipswich are playing Sheffield Wednesday, so we could be in uh, fourth place by the end of the weekend, and. Uh, and yeah, I think it'd be good barometers to see where we are because I think even though they've lost the last few games, I think they are a good team. Definitely a good team. I, mean, I think they'll be up there without any question whatsoever, but they are no question on a bad run. I mean, they, they won five of the first six in all competitions and they've lost the last five in all competitions. They lost against Stevenage in the EFL Cup, lost against Derby, Lost at home to Stevenage in the uh, in the football league trophy. Crikey, Stevenage really looking a dangerous team there. Um, Portsmouth mm. and Fleet would have beaten them in the last couple of weeks. So yeah, I mean, I I, I said <laughs> I hate the the phrase uh, is the good is there a good team to play against? But it was definitely a good time to play against MK Dons on Tuesday night. I won't have anybody dispute that one. Um, I just hope it proves the same thing for Peterborough as well because they're one of those teams. I've said said before on here that I do respect the way that they work. Uh, they they invest in players, uh, and they put good money into players 
who are maybe lower down the leagues or um, you know as kind of unproven players, and then they tend to to not get many wrong at all and and make good money on selling them on people like the Ivan Tonys of this world. Um, so yeah, I like the way they work. They do flip between Championship and and League One, but you know it serves it serves them, doesn't it? And uh, and one of these days they will stay up there, I would imagine, um, or, or for a bit longer. Yeah, I've got to say I'm really looking forward to the Santos Clark Harris battle. That should be a fascinating one to watch. Well, we had a word with um, Rico about his time at Peterborough, so that's that's a little uh, little thing that'll be out on Friday. Um, talking about some of the the traps he fell into at that point in time in his life as a young man, and maybe he wasn't as um, diligent um, in his preparations and and such like whilst he was down there, and maybe a bit close to the capital and a bit m- more of more of a free lifestyle potentially. So you know, it's obviously worked in Bolton's favour. I think they've got a uh, they've got a captain that's that's got his head screwed on now, but I think. When he was down at Peterborough and still an up and comer, it wasn't quite the quite the same sort of player with the same sort of professional attitude. So, um, I think he recognises that. I think he's looking forward to that. He's looking forward to making a point um, to uh, Mister McAntony and uh, and others around there. It'd be nice to see Barry Fry back. By the way, what a great mm. guy he is. By the way, uh, yeah, I recently watched. Speaking of document behind the scenes documentaries, I've recently watched the one he did with. Ron Atkinson. Ah, yes. He's uh, he is a key. It's on YouTube if anyone wants to watch it. But it is, uh, yeah. He's uh, he's a character, isn't he, Barry Fry? And and people forget he played for Bolton. He did. He did play for Bolton, and he still remembers every single little detail as well. By the way, I spoke to him a few years back, and uh, and I barely had to ask a question when I asked him about Bolton. He just rattled off a load of stuff. It was fantastic. Um, but that documentary, by the way, I'm on it. I'm on that documentary. Um, I, they, I didn't. I didn't yeah. see. Yeah. They well. No, I'm not like a, a talking head. Um, I'm, in fact, I'm pretty sure they will have. Uh, they will have produced the amount I was on it. But um, when Steve Bleasdale gets sacked, they're playing against Macclesfield Town, um, and it just so happens I was doing the radio commentary that day, and uh, it was quite a mad day. And and I, I pop up in the background quite a bit, uh, as I remember. It was on Sky back in the day. Yeah, um, Sky One, I think it was. But uh, yes, it's uh, it's an interesting call. I like Peterborough. I, I do. I've got a lot of time for. It. I spend a bit of time down there, um, going down there with my wife's family a bit, and uh, I quite like it as a place. Um, not that I'm going to like them at the weekend because I think I think I'm going to I'm going to say it. I think Bolton are going to win at the weekend. I think it's going to be two one to Bolton. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking there's no way we keep a clean sheet two games in a row. So I'm going to say they will score one. But I think. Uh... I think we'll get a 3-1. I think it'll be 2-1. They'll be pushing for an equaliser and we'll hit them on the break and make it 3-1. This could be Kieran Sadlier's time to shine, do you think? Could be. Yeah, he's... Uh, he's it'd be about uh, if he plays or not. You know, it's uh, if he does play, I think he's he's showing glimpses. And I think for a lot of fans, it's I think a lot of people are... It's it's a shame that he's not had more chances. So if he's uh, if he does get the opportunity, yeah, I think he's he's more than capable of doing. Yeah, I mean Dapo has sat there on his thumbs pretty much for the last two games. Sadly, uh, it's been pretty much since the start of the season. Uh, Bodvarsson's back uh, fit again, so he could potentially feature. So there's there's certainly a lot of changes that could happen. Morley, of course, wasn't involved. 
Mm. Um, you'd think as a home game and with his uh, passing ability, this would be a, a good game for him to go into. So really interesting uh, seeing how this one pans out. Quick mention for the Pizza Cup, just because this podcast won't air again until Friday and, and we will have played against Trammy. Do you care? Uh, oh, actually, I tell you, there is a reason to care because but Ian Everett's already said that, that the game could mean a game for Lloyd Isgrove, uh, Josh Sheehan, Owen Toll, Owen Beck could see. There's definitely a reason to watch this game, I think. Yeah, I think there is. I think um, the... Uh, for, well, for a start, I, I don't want this to, to sound like I don't care, but I actually thought it was next week. I didn't know it was this week uh, until you messaged me the, last night. But, um, yeah, I, I do care because I, I think it's a competition we can win. If we, if we win this game, then we're we through. Um and the, the Leeds under-21 game, I mean, I'm, I'd be surprised if we get past 20 fans that turn up for that one. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it's... And it's Tranmere as well. You know, we, we got beat twice against them, didn't we, in the League 2 campaign. So we'd like, to, we'd like to beat them. They're not going through some good form at the moment. And I think we can go and really show where we are as a club by our reserves going and beating them. So, uh, yeah, I think... A win will be good. It'll put us through and we can look forward to the knockout stages. And there's there's no game afterwards, so actually Ian Everett can go and play a strong team there. I know he, he's, he's already said he's going to play some of the players that are coming back from injury, but I think he'll take a very strong squad. And I would like to think they can go and really show how, like you say, how far they've evolved by going giving Tramir a right panning at Princeton Park. I would be more than happy to see that. I'm I'm there for that result if it happens. Mm. Yeah, uh, I've never understood the rivalry. I've never really understood the rivalry, but it is there. There's no question about it. Bolt, there is a mutual hatred between Bolton and Tranmere fans uh, that extends all the way back to uh, well, it's before John Aldridge. It wasn't. It, we can't even blame John Aldridge, although he didn't exactly help things. But um, I think it was even before that. I think it was uh, John King. Was it King? Is it John King? No, I I just know there's there's a certain uh, section of Bolton fans of a certain age that dislike Tranmere a lot more than Wigan, so that uh, yeah, yeah. that tells you how big it was. Yeah, mere mention of Tranmere Rovers, uh, they will spit on the floor. That's that's the <laughs> way, that's the way it goes. Okay, well that's been a podcast. Um, so uh, thanks very much for joining in. Once again, we will be back next Friday to talk about Peterborough, about Tranmere and about an international break, um, which uh, I'm kind of looking forward to. Please, 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 please leave a review wherever you're watching this, uh, listening to this podcast, rather. Um, If you're watching this podcast, tell me how you're watching it, because it's not even a visual medium. Um, But... Uh, yes, uh, please leave a review. It'd be great to spread the word. Tell your friends about it. We've only been going for three years, so if there are actually Bolton fans out there that don't realise we do a podcast, please tell them about it. It'd be nice. It'd be nice for them to tune in. Um, but uh, mm. until next week, until next Friday, I have been Mark. Looking forward to the international break, Isles. And I've been Henry. We're going to be fourth on Saturday, Hewitt. And this has been the Buff.